How the Pilgrims Embraced the Free Markets and the Invisible Hand of the Economy. How they discovered them and how those aspects of economics became a fundamental part of this great nation of the United States. When you sit down for turkey dinner tonight, one thing that you can be thankful for is our economic system, which uh, was first celebrated in that first Thanksgiving of 1623. Um, I'm going to go over the story. It says, it's a story that I never heard until freshman economics class. I have my freshman economics book here and I'm going to read from it. And when you look up this, uh, this story of the first Thanksgiving online, it's just so interesting to me how this story um, has somewhat been lost and it's hard to find. But it's, these, these are the diaries of Governor William Bradford, governor of the Plymouth Rock Colony. He became governor in 1621 and ended, ended up reigning as governor for 30 years, probably because of these, these brilliant economic ideas he came up with that uh, allowed the pilgrims to actually grow and, cre and create and make a feast. After starving, a lot of people don't realize the pilgrims scraped by and, and many of them died um, for three years. They, they barely survived after landing on Plymouth Rock in 1620. So I'm about to go over this story with you and, and uh, show you these key aspects of economics that many people don't realize. Many people don't even understand the economic system we live in in the United States that has led to the greatness and power that the United States has now through its economic system. And in not understanding that economic system, a lot of Americans also don't understand how much of it has chipped away. We are, we're gradually losing our economic system that made this nation great and wealthy to begin with. So I'm excited to go over this true story of, of, uh, the first Thanksgiving with you. And before I get into it, get a shout out the sponsor of the video today. Are you happy putting your life savings on the stock market right now, despite the dangers? If you've been thinking about investing safer, you can retire comfortably and sleep at night. Uh, you could not, you could do worse than talk to global noble gold experts about the tax advantages and other pluses of precious metal IRAs. Of course you might just love uncertainty, but if you don't, you can get a free America the Beautiful solid silver five ounce coin with any qualifying plan you start. Call 877-646-5347 or visit noblegoldinvestment.com. That is the link in my description. All right. So we have here um, the first the story of the first Thanksgiving. Uh, Governor William Bradford took over the colony and they needed a leader. It, these, these pilgrims were actually fleeing religious persecution in England. By the way, these are the pilgrims on their way to church behind me in the icy cold winter of New Hampshire in the 1600s. Uh, so Pilgrim Rock where they landed was New Hampshire or I'm sorry, Massachusetts. I get those, I get those Northeast uh, states confused. Massachusetts, it gets very cold. So, um, it, it was really rough for them those first three years. And uh, Governor William Bradford ended up stepping up to the plate as the leader, uh, becoming governor. I have his picture on the cover of this video. And 
initially they were doing something uh, called farming in common, um, basically just one big plot of land to grow their crops. And, and then every family would pitch in. But the, the young able-bodied men were kind of expected to do more work because they're stronger than women and younger than the older guys. And, and these men got resentful of that and actually did less work. And, uh, people, some people said, well, I'm sick. I, I, you know, oh, I have a bad leg, whatever. They wouldn't pitch in and do as much work on this common plot of land. And so what happened is they went through a couple of their first years where they would get to harvest time and not have the crops they needed to survive the winter. Uh, because it, it, what happens when you're, when you're all working in community to pitch in to help each other, it sounds beautiful, but something develops called the free rider problem, which is what you learn in economics class. A free rider is someone who expects when they're in a community that their fellow community members will do the work for them. And what can happen in community labor is that everyone can be, get that free rider mentality and expect the next guy to pick up where they slacked off. So everyone starts slacking off and less is produced. And that is what was happening. Uh, it, it got really bad. People died of starvation. Governor William Bradford racked his mind about this. And, uh, I'm thank God I have this book. I'm going to read from it, what he did next, because it's actually hard to find online. I'm actually reading articles online at bloomberg.com used to reprint this article, this story, every, the story I'm about to read was originally from Bloomberg, uh, printed in my freshman economics class from over a decade ago. And now I can't find it on Bloomberg. When I go to Bloomberg.com, this crazy article that I'll show you guys comes up about how like um, the pilgrims came to kill the Indians, but the pilgrims weren't Americans and neither were the Indians. They were all immigrants and, and this weird. Anyway, the story, it gets political in the story of the first economic or the first, the first Thanksgiving and the structure of economics was lost. Anyway, so here's the thing. What they were trying to do, farming in common, is communism. They were all supposed to work together on something um, and then each reap equal benefits. And the young, able-bodied men are saying, why did I just work twice as hard all summer as the next-door family, yet the next-door family gets just as much crops as I got, as, as I get, even though I worked harder, that's not fair. So next summer, I'm not going to work as hard. That this is the mentality that was develop, developing in this communist sort of structure of farming that these first pilgrims had. People were dying of starvation because of that. So here's what William Bradford did next. According to freshman economics, here it is. This is this was my uh, freshman economics book. Uh, all right, so it says here. So after three winters of starvation, Bradford instituted a new policy when it came time to plant in the spring of 1623. He set aside a plot of land for each family, allowing each to quote plant for his own particular 
and in that regard, trust to themselves. They quote directly from William Bradford's diary. His diary is hard to find now. Okay, for the colonists, the results were nothing short of miraculous. The women went willingly into the field, carrying their young children with them. Those who previously claimed to be too ill or too uh, weak to work were eager to till their own soil. Oh, your illness went away now that you only had, you're left to your own plot of land. And if you don't work on it, neither shall you eat. Oh, you just got better real quick and you start working. Oh, you get to keep every ounce of crops that you, that you work to grow. Now people are incentivized. So he broke that big community plot into individual plots and said, you know what guys, this community thing's not working. Everyone's going to fend for themselves this summer. It was the, it was the spring of 1623. William Bradford decided to do this. And he was like, this year, if you don't work on your own plot of land, you're going to starve next winter. You see that next door family who died last winter? That's going to be you if you don't work on your own crops. And so suddenly everyone who was like too sick to work is working hard. Uh, it says, yet it was no miracle without knowing it. Bradford and the pilgrims discovered what Eastern Europe learned the hard way more than 350 years later, that socialism doesn't work. Deprived of property rights and lacking economic incentive to work, produce and save, human beings behave in a predictable manner. Pretty soon, the colonists had more than enough food for their own needs and started to trade their excess corn for other commodities such as furs. After three winters of famine, the pilgrims viewed their times of plenty as a stroke of good fortune when they were merely responding to market signals. Even before there was an official market, the invisible hand was at work. Thanksgiving is a time to give thanks for our system of government, which allows the invisible hand to guide and protect us. There you have it from my uh, microeconomics book from college. Um, so they uh, that that fall, the pilgrims reaped their biggest harvest by far because each family knew that it was all on them to survive, which sounds rough, but the study the study of uh, economics economics has synthesized human nature down to a science basically um and economics is the study of of incentives and the fact that you humans need incentives to produce and um and you know it it, it sounds harsh but it is what it it is the truth in any society that you look at um and so here these people, it looked like such a loving community to all work together on one plot of land uh, starting in 1620 when the pilgrims first landed. And it didn't, it didn't work. When you know that you're, the next guy is going to be picking up your slack, it is human nature to start to slack off. If it is all on your shoulders, that is the incentive you need to pick up the pace, carry your weight, and actually achieve what you desire. People actually, they, they actually respect themselves more and actually achieve their dreams when it is all placed on their shoulders. So even though that sounds harsh and they don't like it, uh, it actually ends up being something that people really 
admire and enjoy. So that economic system ended up being what America proceeded with. And uh, it, it was the whole idea of if you do not work, neither shall you eat. So it was, it was not about from there on, it was not about the governor, government giving handouts, the government saying this is a community plot and we're all going to chip in and get equal amounts handed, handed back out to us. And, uh, so America really flourished with that. And, um, into the 1800s when this painting was made. So this is a 1800s painting of the 1600s, but uh, the 1800s saw this booming economy. Um, and then um, after World War II, we kind of started to implement more socialistic policies and we began the slippery slope uh, towards on the way to socialism, which Socialism is kind of the scale uh, of like serious socialism or just a drop of socialism. And we've just been kind of going down that scale. And with the coming of the pandemic, see, anytime you see like some big emergency come up, it's um, politicians being in the place of the being the politician and having the desire to be reelected incentivizes them to push for socialistic ideas. They may not call it socialistic, but um, the redistributing wealth is something that sounds so loving. So politicians like to do that and promote it to their voters because they want to be reelected and saying, okay, now we're going through another hard time. Okay, now we've got the pandemic. Okay, so I'm going to um, redistributes more to you. You know, I'm going to tax you more so I can give more to you. Or maybe I'm just going to print money out of thin air to give more to you because I'm such a benevolent politician. But what they're, um, resorting back to is the method that didn't work for the pilgrims in the beginning. Okay. What we're seeing now, uh, more than perhaps ever in this country is, um, Big, the biggest the the biggest quantity of checks, uh, biggest dollar amount of checks being given out to more Americans than ever, and uh, you know because oh you're going for, through this hardship due to the pandemic that hardship oh you have this many kids oh your your income is this much okay you get a check you get a check you get a check I know I I know people who are getting big checks I know people in this pandemic who've been incentivized not to work because they're getting free money. It's the, it goes back to the free rider problems that the, the pilgrims were dealing with where it was like, well, my neighbor is working hard and paying their taxes so that the government can give me handouts. So my, my neighbor is picking up my slack. Therefore, I'm not going to go to work today because I know I'm still going to get that Biden check. And so what we're seeing is uh, the return of socialism slash communism uh, in America, which is really frightening because we know it, 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 lead, it led to the starvation of the pilgrims before. Um, it's not good for the economy. It's not good for it. But uh, yeah, so that, that winter, 1623, uh, the pilgrims got together with the Indians and they had a big old feast and yes, they were friends with the Indians. The Indians were helping them scrape by. They like it basically 
they had to figure out how to survive in this new land and they uh, needed to befriend the Indians to survive. And so they had a great feast and um, it was all thanks to free market economics and the invisible hand of the economy, which by the way, the invisible hand is, is a, an economic term that means it, it, it mean it's, it's describing the system in which when, um, when there is, uh, a need for something, um, the invisible hand comes in. Basically that need is always met through incentives. The, the need for itself creates incentive. So, um, William Bradford created that by separating, separating people into their own little plots. And now there was that incentive, that, that need to create because, they couldn't uh, rely on redistribution. And um, so the invisible hand, like for, for instance, if there's a, I don't know if, um, if there's a huge, um, like co- if corn, it was, if it was a great year for corn. And so there's a bigger corn um, supply this year, then the invisible hand would actually cause corn prices to go down because there's more of it. Therefore, there's less demand for it. There's uh, less, the supply is more than the demand so that the price goes down. It's just how it works because by nature, someone's going to say, I'm not going to buy your corn for what you sold it to me for last year because this guy is desperate to get rid of his corn. He has too much. So I'm going to buy it from him for cheaper. And it, it's just, it's how free markets work. The invisible hand is just the natural shifting of dollar signs. Uh, so because the, because sellers know that there's a larger quantity, they'll naturally reduce their prices to compete. So it's the competition that keeps the quality high and the, and the prices low and allows, um, allows the best product or service at the lowest price. It just naturally happens through incentives in a free market society. And the first American to set up a free market was William Bradford uh, in 1623, according to his diaries, which are now getting lost. It's hard to find. Um, this, this, uh, was a, this was a Bloomberg journalist who wrote this, um, and then it was included in my economics book. Her name is Caroline Baum, B-A-U-M. And uh, – she, like I said, she would republish it in Bloomberg each year, and I'm not seeing it anymore. That concerns me. Instead, this Bloomberg article came up, like I said, about, uh, I mean, the opening line of the article is, there were no Americans at the first Thanksgiving. Uh, the newer immigrants recently arrived from England considered themselves thoroughly English. And then it goes on to say the Indians weren't American either because they had immigrated from somewhere um, look, I, I immigrated to Texas from, uh, growing up in Wisconsin. I, I'm still a Texan now and a Wisconsinite, but mainly I'm an American, but anyway, um, but they, so they go into immigration and they don't talk about economics, but anyway, I think it's an important, I think it's an important story to remember and pass on. Um, so I, I used to I used to share Caroline Baum's article, the online version, like every year on my Facebook. I would share a link to it so people would know the true story of Thanksgiving. I did that throughout the years after college. And 
then I, then I later, then I found out that Rush Limbaugh would read the story. He would read the same notes from William Bradford every Thanksgiving on his show. And I was like, I love that. And, um, it's so sad. We lost Rush early this year. So we got to carry on the tradition of getting the word out about the true story of Thanksgiving and helping educate some misinformed people about how economics actually works. Um, some of the worst dictators hated economics. Hitler didn't study economics, hated it. It bored him, whatever. wasn't interested. That's dangerous because economics leads to empowering the individual. It sounds harsh. Oh, wait, if I don't work, neither shall I eat. That's really harsh. But it is the incentive that human nature needs to create the prosperity that they desire. So let's educate ourselves on how economics works. Go take an economics class or brush up on how free markets actually work, what the invisible hand is, and um, how incentives play into uh, the flow of money. And um, by, by educating ourselves, we can keep that way of life happening in the United States. Okay, guys, I'm reading your comments. What are you guys doing for Thanksgiving? I, I ended up staying in Texas. I just had I had way too much work. Um, you know, my whole life got turned on its head this year. So I got a lot of work getting my ducks in a row and everything. So I stayed in Texas, but I'm going to get together with my brother really quick who also lives in Texas and get together with some other friends. Um, and da, 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 da. You're saying Hitler understood economics. No, no, he, he didn't study. No, he actually, he talked about, he was a crony. Uh, Hitler was all about crony, um, which is the manip- the manipulation of markets through partnering of uh, big companies with the government. Um, that's what Hitler was all about. And he actually talked about how we can't let the markets flow how they, sh- how they want because that's not going to be good for us. Like he totally misunderstood the invisible hand of the economy. And he instead manipulated the markets um, through getting big business in bed with big government. And, um, and I understand that he helped. So Hitler seized a terrible economy to make himself look like a hero. I get that. He, he did help the economy artificially for a time, but and, and I mean, in these past few years, communist China has been playing with its economy in a similar way, but Hitler was not allowing the, the, just the free flow of the markets. Um, and he had these, when he was setting up to take power, he was having these meetings with big business and turning them against other businesses and things. And, uh, it, uh, I've just been going through the history books about, about, Hitler and Nazi Germany now to brush up on history. And, um, it talks all about how, how he hated, he hated economics. Um, yeah, he was a national socialist. He, which means he had control of every business. Yeah. I'm reading your comments here. Yeah, he he would he had he was in control of it all. It it was it was up to him. It wasn't 
up to a business to make its own profit. And, um, yeah, so we, we can't be like that. We've just got to literally, literally what made America so great and prosperous these past hundred years, several hundred years is what we should stick with. The 20th century saw the slipping away of some of that in the 21st century, especially with this pandemic, we're seeing it even more. And, um, we are totally living in a crony state at this point. It's really sad. And I was just doing a story. I just partnered with next news network, Gary Franchi. He rocks, uh, one of the stories I covered, uh, for his channel, which you're going to be seeing is the, um, Amazon donating a hundred million dollars to the Obama foundation scratching Obama's back after Obama scratched their back. So when Obama was in office, uh, Obama catered to and coddled Amazon. So now Amazon is just catering back to Obama, which if, if Amazon is giving a hundred million dollars to Obama this year, what does that tell me? That tell me, that tells me Amazon knows something about the power that Obama has right now. Obama, he's behind the scenes right now, but he's not out. To, he's not out of the picture. And if Amazon wants to continue maintaining its power and wealth, it needs to throw money at Obama. Well, Amazon knows that. That's why it's doing that and giving Obama that money. Follow the money. That's the. Those are the breadcrumbs to the truth. And there would be no other reason that Amazon would be giving $100 million to Obama unless they had an incentive to do that to protect their own wealth. So Obama's up to something. Obama is not out of the picture, and Amazon knows it. Um, that's cronyism, uh, and it's really sad. So people used to call it crony capitalism. It is not capitalism. Capitalism is the sacred method of economics that led the pilgrims to their first feast. And we as Americans need to protect capitalism and in order to preserve our ability to lift our own selves out of our poverty with our bootstraps. Hard work through the uh, free market capitalism is what empowers every individual. So it's a beautiful thing. It's the most colorblind, uh, uh, you know, there, there's no races or genders or anything when it comes to capitalism. It's about, are you providing a better uh, service or product than the next guy? Uh, then I'll buy from you because I care about what, what, how your product or service is going to benefit me. It, the selfishness of capitalism actually leads to empowering every single individual. It's beautiful. It's crazy how it works. You understand it if you actually just do a little bit reading on how economics works. It's incredible. Um, it was actually a Federal Reserve Bank employee who was teaching my class. Uh, I My freshman year, first semester of college was actually at the University of Minnesota, where one of the big uh, Federal Reserve Banks is located. And so I had a Fed guy teaching me economics. Very interesting. Um, but it, I loved that class. I love it. It was, it was so mind-blowing and eye-opening. Like, this makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. Um, and it just made me love and understand freedom so much more and responsibility so much more. 
Like it's up to you if you want to be great. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and with that, I hope you go into your Thanksgiving feast with a better uh, understanding of Thanksgiving and uh, a better gratitude for uh, free market economics. Uh, with that, I'm going to close out and enjoy a little bit of family and friend time. I'll see you guys later.